The Power of the Word is brought to you each week by the support of our partners and friends. Last week on Power of the Word. So atmospheres have something to do with what God does. And so Jesus knew the conditions of Nazareth were not conducive to his calling or to his ministry. And so he had to move to Capernaum to fulfill or to even embark on what he was called to do. He had a knowing inside. Amen. It won't work here. You can't get there from here. When you face tough situations, do not give up. God is with you. Bad things can happen to good people, and we do not always understand why. In her new book, Overcoming in Difficult Times, Pastor Nora King brings understanding about how to overcome some of life's most difficult circumstances. Through her own experiences and biblical insight, Pastor Nora shares how to find help in troubled times through God's Word and holding tight to His promises. I just want people to be able uh, to see from the Scripture that God cares about where they are, what's going on, and He does not leave them in that predicament. To get Pastor Nora King's latest book for $12, visit us at poweroftheword.com or call us at 800-956-4433. You are not alone in your struggles. God is with you and He will help you overcome. We talked about this a little bit uh, last week about um, those that Jesus allowed into his life. We talked about the, the multitude. We talked about the 70. We talked about the 12. Then we talked about Peter, James, and John. Then we talked about John the Beloved and how the relationship levels in Jesus' life. Well, we see here he took Peter, James, and John. He didn't take the 12. He just took three. All right? All right? And the father and the mother of the maiden, and they all wept and bewailed her. But he said, Weep not, for she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. Now, he's not talking about these five laughed him to scorn. He's talking about those that were there. Okay? And he put them all out. Everybody say he put them all out. So the scorners and the laughers, you leave. Well, God's just going to show who He is and do what He can. He's going to do in spite of the devil, right in the face of these things. No, He won't. He won't work where He's unwelcome, and He won't do what He does to people who are incapable of responding to Him in the right way. He's not your tap dancing duck. You don't drop in the quarter and say run. He's not on call like that. We show humility. We show hunger. We show desire. We show our faith. We show respect. We give honor, which they failed to do in Nazareth. And they didn't get anything. Amen? Are you home today? Yeah. 
And he put them all out, and he took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again. And she rose straightway, and he commanded her, he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. And so Jesus came into a place, and he had to get the atmosphere right before he could do what was already his will to do. They didn't have to talk him into being willing. He's not willing that any perish. So he's willing, but you have to get the environment, the atmosphere right. You think praise and worship is important? You think open heavens are important? You want to move a God, you got to get it right. Are you home today? So the atmosphere had to be changed. The paid mourners had to be ousted. The professional mourners, the tumulters, and the unbelief had to be put out of the room. Now we look over here in Mark chapter 7, in verse number 32, and they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside, he took him aside from the multitude. He got him out of the crowd. He took him to the side. He would not do ministry there with the gawkers and the Facebookers. And the iPhone camera carriers said, I'm not here to put on a show. Don't put me to that test. You humble yourself and come as a little child the way I told you in Scripture that you must come. Get the attitudes right. Hmm. Interesting. He took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears and he spit and touched his tongue. And he looked up to heaven and sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened and the string of his tongue was loosed and he spake plain. And so he had that impediment of speech, which is often accompanied by a deaf spirit. They go together often. And so Jesus healed him, but to heal him, he had to get him out of the crowd that he was in. He had to change the environment. He had to change the atmosphere before he could. It didn't say before he would. It said before he could. Same conditions in Nazareth. He could there do no mighty work. You've got to change the environment before it can happen. Amen. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and he besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the tower, out of the town. And when he had spit in his eyes, and on his eyes and put his hands upon him. He asked him if he saw all. And he looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. 
After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. Now notice verse 23, he took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of the town. He had to get him into an atmosphere where what he wanted to do could happen. Are you home? I said, are you home? Very important. Say, God can't work in certain atmospheres. Say, God is creating atmospheres where he can do his will in the earth. Now, see, I believe this with all my heart. I believe that we are living in the time of the remnant church. Now, I don't even like the term remnant church. But when I see what I see in the book of Revelation between the Philadelphia church and the Laodicean church, the Philadelphia church is what we would refer to as that, or that remnant church. The Laodicean church is the church that is rich and increased with goods and has need of nothing. You follow that? I said, you follow that? But that Philadelphia church the Bible says that they kept his word and kept his name intact. And they were not rebuked by God. There's only two of those seven churches that were not rebuked by the Lord or told to correct a bunch of things. And that Philadelphia church was not. That's the remnant church that I believe is that church that when the scripture says the revelation of the Antichrist, it says that there's a group that will keep him at bay until they be taken out of the way. And it says those that keep him at bay, it says they will keep him at bay until they be removed. Those who now let, will let, those who now withhold, will withhold until they be taken without. So the Antichrist can't appear as long as that remnant church is in place. Now, see, I believe that there are churches being raised up all across this nation and all around this world that are that open portal church where the blessing and the power of God can pour in and He can do His will without restraint. And He can use a group of people in a way that He chooses to use them in a very prophetic and profound way that not every church can walk in. That doesn't mean we're not talking about pride. We're not talking about being better than anybody. We're talking about a willingness of people to create the conditions that allow God to do what God wants to do. You follow that? That's what I believe our calling is. I believe that we have been set apart by God for reasons. We are an outpost. We are a mission house in a sense God when he ascended up on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men God left us on a hostile planet in a hostile environment as a mission outpost for his honor and his glory you hear about these people being born again we're here to redeem as many as we can redeem before it's everlastingly eternally too late and we're here to set tone and condition and atmosphere through our prayers, through our worship, 
through the things that are necessary, through the preaching and proclamation of God's Word. We're not here just to have church. We're here to do kingdom business. Not just be Christian bumps on a log. We're here with a holy calling, a holy revelation, a holy mission to accomplish and to do. Not everybody can do it. They couldn't in Nazareth. They couldn't in these places where Jesus went to do what he wanted to do. He couldn't do it there. He had to have a place where he could do what he needed to do. We know in John chapter 13, the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th chapters of John are the most pivotal chapters as far as God's revelation to humanity that exists anywhere. They're the greatest revelation of anything because this is Jesus saying to his disciples, it was 11, should have been 12, but it was 11. And he's saying to his disciples, this is what's coming when I go to Calvary. And I make a new covenant with you. And he said, this new covenant with you, he said, it's expedient that I go away because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can't come. And you need that. You need to be endued with power from on high. He'll show you things to come. Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, I'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. He's, he's telling them the terms and conditions of the covenant that he's making with them. And he's going to go to Calvary and pay the price to get it. He said, this is what's coming. Who was allowed in the upper room? Eleven. Not the multitude. It's the most sacred series of scriptures anywhere you'll find anywhere in the whole, not just the Bible, but any revelation of God to man in any form. Guys, this is what it's all about. This is what it is. I promise you, I solemnly swear to you, this is what's going to happen. And I'm going to go to Calvary and shed my blood and seal it eternally. And this is exactly what I'll do for you. So you don't, works I do, you do it too. Where I go, you go. You be one as we're one. The Father will show you as much how much love He has to you. He'll love you just the same as He loves me. That's what He said. That's the revelation that's unfolding. That's not for the Nazareth Christians. That's for a select, special group of people. And he had to do it in the right setting and under the right terms and the right conditions in the right atmosphere. It wasn't for whosoever will. Whosoever will can qualify for it later. But right now, this is it. Just us and only us. Amen. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, 
When you partner with Power of the Word, you are sharing that same love and making a real difference in the lives of hopeless and hurting people. Through our television ministry, we have the potential to reach millions of households across the world with the powerful messages of Jesus Christ. Your giving, your partnership, brings that anointing into your life. That's what Paul said. He said, grace on me gets on you. Help us continue to spread the gift of Jesus with your gift today. To give, go to poweroftheword.com. Call us at 800-956-4433 or text the word GIVE to 865-978-6380. Partner with Power of the Word and help us change lives. Verse 21, John 13. And when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. So he's sitting here with the twelve and he's saying openly, one of you is not qualified to be here. That's what he said. He said, you're in the wrong room. And the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved, that's John. That's the way he referred to himself. Simon Peter therefore beckoned him. See, Peter asked John what Jesus was saying. So you can tell Peter was not as close to Jesus as John was. Peter therefore beckoned unto him that he should ask him who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered and said to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And so this is the revelation of the betrayer for others to see. And he said, now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. And so Jesus is talking to Judas and the others didn't understand all that he was saying. For some of them thought because Judas had the bag and Jesus had said unto him, buy those things which we have need of against the feast or that he should give something to the poor. And so Jesus made a commission to, to, to Judas and they didn't understand what it was. They thought, well, maybe he needs to go out and buy something for our needs or maybe he he needs to go give something to the poor because Jesus obviously had had that reputation of giving to the poor. And Judas again had the bag. He was the treasurer. All right. And so Jesus, Ju Jesus said something to Judas and the others didn't quite get what he was saying. And he said, for then having received the sop, he went immediately out and it was night. Now Jesus told him in verse 27. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. And so Judas did not become possessed by an evil spirit only. He became possessed by Satan himself. This was not delegated demonic activity. This was the head one. Okay. Then said Jesus unto him, Thou doest do quickly. 
What you do, do it quickly. See, Jesus wanted him to go and get out of the room because he's in violation of the atmosphere. What Jesus is getting ready to reveal, Judas is not qualified to hear. He's not worthy of the sacredness of the event. Not fit. Get out of here and get out now. Don't wait. Go. That thou doest, do quickly. Do it right now. Go. And it says that when he, in verse 30, and he having received a sob, went out immediately and it was night. So to step out of the will of God or step out of what God had planned or what God wanted because of his unrepentant heart and he had covenanted for those 30 pieces of silver and broke covenant with Jesus. The blood covenant that Jesus was illustrating in that upper room, Judas could not receive it because he broke the conditions of covenant by betraying Jesus to the priests for money. Therefore, when he was gone out, get him out of here. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. Now, then he began to unfold all those wonderful things that we just discussed. And there's whole teachings that can flow out of that. But the condition or the environment had to be put in order before that covenant could be entered into and before the, before the revelation could be revealed. You understand? I'm, so he couldn't give it to the 12 because one was not qualified, so he gave it to the 11 reminders. And so God is raising up churches, houses of prayer, mission outposts, places where his glory can reside all across this nation. Are you qualified? Are you fit? I can't answer that question. That's personal. And that's up to you and God. The disciples around didn't know, but Jesus knew. Churches that live under an open heaven, are we qualified? Are the portals open? Or do we have a bad environment? Bad atmosphere? Well, God can't do what God wants to do. Just because it's a house of worship doesn't mean it's qualified for the sacredness of what I'm talking about. That's why I use the phrase remnant church. I don't like the phrase. I don't like the concept. But we have no choice. We have no choice but to deal with it. Is this place a place where God's glory can be manifested? Is it? I hope. This is our calling. And it is what God wants for us. Are you home? But are we going to have it? Are we qualified to get it?
There are things that create that spiritual or godly atmosphere. It's obviously worship and praise. It's obvious we saw the, the tithes and offerings part of it. We saw that. It's a thankfulness or a gratitude that they didn't have in Nazareth. Obviously faith, because of their unbelief, there could be no manifestation. It obviously has something to do with harmony of heart, no strife and an agreement uh, of spirit. A oneness of heart has a lot to do with qualifying for it. It's obviously a reverence for God, respect for God and respect for one another. It's all those things. It's obviously having a respect for the Bible, the Word of God, and giving it its rightful place in our life. It's obviously having a repentant attitude when we need to. You can't grovel in that too long. You've got to accept your forgiveness. If it's time to repent, redo it. There'll be no appearance of evil in us. These are things that are important. Amen. Obviously, the Holy Spirit has to be welcomed in the house if you're going to have a house that's qualified for a manifestation of His presence. It's got to be welcome. But we don't do that here. We don't do that here. Well, we do do it here. We do. Without shame. Amen. It needs to be a place where harsh words are put outside. Where love words are used. Amen. The only thing that we know about God is what He allows us to know. He reveals Himself to us. Of course, He reveals Himself through His Word. He does reveal Himself circumstantially. There's a way that we get awestruck by the beauty here in our part of the world, the mountains and the streams and all the beauty that we find around us in nature. These are expressions of God, and these are expressions of God's love to us. But one of the things that we find about God is God is particular where he goes and where he goes with. Now he's a universal presence for sure. He's everywhere. But he only reveals himself to those who open themselves in a proper way. And so God does and chooses to only work in certain atmospheres. Jesus in his own hometown of Nazareth could there do no mighty works. He could not manifest himself in that atmosphere. To formulate an atmosphere where God can work and move, there's a number of factors in it. But I think just number one, being aware of it, is where it all begins. That God does want a certain atmosphere for Him to do what He desires to do and express Himself in the way He desires to do that. And I think just a welcoming, welcoming of Him is where it all begins. And of course, the first doorway that we must go through to welcome Him is through Jesus Christ. We have to receive Him as our Lord and our Savior. If you've never done that, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I take you right now as my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you to serve you today and forever. Sin, Satan, I don't serve you. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Now that opens the door 
the beginning of the atmosphere in which God can work in your life. We love you. Enjoyed being with you today. Look forward to our next time together. Till then, God bless. We hope you've been blessed by today's teaching. If you would like to receive this message by Dr. Ed King as an MP3 or CD for a gift of any amount, please visit us at poweroftheword.com or call us at 800-956-4433. Let the truths found in this message take hold in your life. Request your copy today.